Welcome to the Metta Hour with Sharon Salzberg, where Buddhist wisdom meets everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Be Here Now Network and features interviews with the top leaders, teachers, and thinkers of the mindfulness movement and beyond. For more information, visit BeHereNowNetwork.com backslash Sharon. Hi, I'm Sharon Salzberg, and today I'm talking with author and speaker Agapi Stasinopoulos. Agapi is the author of Wake Up to the Joy of You and Unbinding the Heart, a dose of Greek wisdom, generosity, and unconditional love. Born and raised in Athens, Greece, Agapi was trained in London at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, RADA, and (laughs) received her master's degree in psychology from the University of Santa Monica. She is currently leading workshops at Thrive Global, a company founded by her sister, Ariana Huffington, to help change how we work and live. Agapi has spoken and taught at many organizations, including L'Oreal, PepsiCo, Google, Nike, Starbucks, and more. Her newest book, Speaking with Spirit, 52 Prayers to Guide, Inspire, and Uplift You was released in January of 2022 by Harmony Books. Welcome to the Meta Hour, Agapi. Oh, thank you so much, Sharon. It's such a deep honor and pleasure and joy uh, to share a meal with you, as um, your wonderful Lily was saying before. Yeah. It really feels like uh, breaking bread in the house of God, actually. Oh, that's very beautiful. We've known each other for many years now, so it's a great treat for me to have you recording today for the podcast and sharing some of your wisdom. So where are you? Where are you recording from? I know Uh, you have technical help wherever you are. That's a good thing. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I am in New York City. I'm in Soho. Mm -hmm. I actually live uh, in Soho with my sister, Ariana. We live together. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I always say it's a Greek tradition. You know, you get married, you get divorced, and you move back with your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as you know, Ariana and I are, are very, very close. And um, her offices, Thrive Global, are like two minutes from our home and in Soho. So mm-hmm. I'm at uh, the Thrive Global offices, which uh, used to host 150 people, and now there are seven of us oh, at the wow. moment. Wow. We haven't yet opened up the offices to, you know, and everybody has been working from home, but also everybody's all over. You know, we have Mm -hmm. now people all over the country and we have people in Ireland and we have people in London. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a global company, but um, I'm just happy to be in New York. You know, I was in Los Angeles uh, for a year and a half. We have a home there because of the pandemic and that's where the book was born, actually, which mm-hmm. I'll tell you more about it. So here we are. It's great. I thought we could start a little bit with your background, of how you came to a spiritual path. And I know your mother was a big influence on your life with her own spiritual approach to yes. life. She also introduced you and your sister to yoga as teenagers. So can you tell us some more about what shaped your spiritual path? I would love it. Um 
I'll try to make it brief because uh, I want to also get into the essence of a lot of what we're going to talk mm-hmm. about. But mm-hmm. my name, you know, Sharon Agapi, means unconditional love in Greek. Mm. It's, um, it's described in the Oxford Dictionary as the love that God has for man. And uh, it's spelled with an E, but I spell it with an I because when I studied in London and I spell it with an E, they used to call me a gape. So I spell it with an I and I feel my mother gave me that name and it kind of set the foundation of what my life was going to be about. And my life really has been the purpose of my life and my awakening has been about learning uh, what unconditional love is, what love is Mm -hmm. and what it is to live with an open heart. And of course, being raised in Greece with, uh, my mother, Ellie, who passed uh, 22 years ago, mm-hmm. actually, and my father, Costas, who was an extraordinary man. You know, a lot of people obviously don't know that about me unless they read my books, but my father was a concentration camp survivor mm. because he was a Greek journalist. He was not Jewish. We're not Jewish, but the Germans occupied uh, Greece in the Second World War, and he wrote about uh, against the Nazis, and he was arrested and taken in the camps and survived, which kind of marks uh, marked his life, and mm-hmm. I think uh, mine too, in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, my mother um, was extraordinary in terms that she was uh, a very high soul. You know, she had a, a fearlessness about life, and she always told us this story that she fought the Germans and the Nazis through the Red Cross. And uh, one day, three soldiers um, marched in, three Nazis with machine guns. And in perfect German, she said to them, put down your machine guns. We are Red Cross. You have no right to shoot. And she saw three machine guns go down. Mm. And um, they left, you know. And she was hiding Jewish people. They were hiding in the mountains. And mm. she said to me and Ariana that for the rest of her life, she had an unfathomable trust in life. And I feel that's what she communicated to me and Ariana. Uh, and it was the foundation of our lives that no matter what happens, life is for you. Mm. And the life force, which we call God or source or whatever we want to call it, lives in us. And we have to rise and meet it, which is what happened to her with the Nazis. So that, you know, as a young girl was embedded in me and, and you know, wanted to study acting. I was extremely vivacious and, and had a, a great talent for the arts. And she's ushered me to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts and found mm. me the teachers and... Uh, Ariana to Cambridge to study economics and took us to London uh, with support of her family. And um, for me, uh, at that point uh, of finishing, rather, was a dream of a young girl, Agape. I'm going to be a well-known, incredible actress because um, I must confess, and I, I'm kind of a very proud to say that I'm very talented. And I, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I act, uh, people go, oh, my God, you're amazing. What happened? I oh, said, well, great. what happened is God had another plan for me because I went to 
Los Angeles to do a movie, um, which was a great hope and dream. And the movie fell through, and three months later, I decided and made a life choice to stay in Los Angeles, not return to London, and embark on a spiritual journey. I did mm-hmm. not believe in God, but my mother had instilled in us, since we were teenagers, yoga, meditation, and all the uh, teachings uh, of spirituality without religion, because she used to say, our church is our home. So she wasn't a a religious person. We only went to church for weddings and funerals and Easter Sunday. But she was deeply spiritual in all the the teachings that you and I and wonderful teachers out there now believe. You know, she Mm -hmm. studied, um, obviously, Paramahansa Yogananda was the book next to her bedside, which Mm -hmm. found me in Los Angeles as I was studying uh, and doing hours of yoga and seeking without knowing what I was seeking. Mm -hmm. But my soul knew that it was seeking me to connect. So um, at some extraordinary grace-filled moment, I was in Los Angeles. I was reading the autobiography of a yogi and at a particular passage that he talks about the eternal and the soul and how the yogis transcend the physical, I took, was taken into a deep sleep. I woken up early in the morning with a sunbeam coming into my room, woke me up. I, f- I never forget it. I fell on my knees and inner light woke me up. I fell on my knees weeping and saying, I remember, I remember I'm a child of God. Io credo. I wrote it in my diary. Mm. And that was a catalytic moment. Uh, of my awakening. And then I prayed for a spiritual teacher because I knew I needed guidance. And uh, I found John Roger, who is my teacher and is uh, a master. He's passed away, but his teachings are very alive through the movement of spiritual inner awareness. And I started to study uh, intently and went to many courses, many retreats. And uh, what happened, and I write about this, of course, in the book extensively, all the experiences that happened to me after that moment. You know, what happens when you have a, a spiritual awakening, you think you're going to live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but on the contrary, you are tested. And mm-hmm. now everything in your life is becomes a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Do you faith to do this? And what are you going to do about that? But you have the guidance and you kind of dive deeper to, to get connected uh, while you're doing your life. While you say, what am I going to do with my expression? What am I going to do with my relationships? What am I going to do with being a mother? What am I going to do with everything in my life while I am awakening to my spirit and my soul more deeply. So the Mm. path becomes uh, an incredible epic in a way, a journey, the hero's journey, as Joseph Campbell said. You become the hero's journey. And each one of us, Sharon, I know that is listening right now uh, to our conversation can sign up the name and say, yes, I know that journey Mm -hmm. because we all have the hero's and the heroine's journey. And that to me is where we're all united in the brotherhood of, of humanity. It's beautiful. So congratulations on your new book, Speaking with Spirit, 52 Prayers to Guide, Inspire, and Uplift You. This is your fifth book, 
Um, and tell me about what moved you for this particular project. You call it a non-denominational guide to harnessing the power of prayer. Yes, um, this book found me. Uh, found me at a time I had a contract to write the book um, after Wake Up to the Joy of You that had reached so many people. And this book um, found me th through, my, it was a calling. It was like a divine inspiration. I never thought I'll write a book about prayer. Although my practice in my spiritual practice was always to call in the light and to evoke the light of the spirit and not just for me, but with my spiritual community, there was always a prayer about everything. And, and before you started um, a seminar or a retreat, evoking the presence. And let me just define the best of my ability. To me, God is not a being. It's a state of consciousness, as we know. Mm -hmm. and, and evoking that state of consciousness, which is the light, the sound and the presence of the divine. And I had an experience specifically with uh, a friend of mine who had written a book uh, about health. And she came to my apartment in New York and she said, I'm so nervous. I've poured my heart into this book and now I'm nervous about sending it out and would it do well? Would people... Uh, you know, basically buy it and, and get all the knowledge I've poured out. And I said, let us pray about it. Mm. And we put our hands on the book and we blessed the book. And we both felt this surge of energy. And she said to me, what a concept, what a great thing. I said, release the book into God and uh, let us have no pressure about how the book is going to do because let us charge it. And the charge of the spirit was so palpable. And I think at that moment, I felt I must share with people who are doing life by themselves and who might believe, you know, Sharon, it's like a lot of people believe in the universe or with God or with something bigger than themselves, mm -hmm. but they don't practice it, how you can embrace that about everything in your life, everything. Mm -hmm. So... I have countless of experiences, and that's why the book has 52 chapters, where the prayers became like template for different areas in your life. And I feel every human being has deep prayers of what they want more of, but they forget that they don't have to do it alone, that they can open up and invite the consciousness of the presence of God into their everything, everyday life. And a lot of people might say, well, I'm not going to ask God about that because that's too small. But nothing is too small for the spirit. What we need to do is have the courage and the sense of worthiness that we deserve this presence in our daily life. So that's how mm. this book was born about a, almost like a, a, a joyful child who finds this, this, you know, goes to Disneyland and says, mm -hmm. oh my God, look at this. I can call on the spirit for this particular thing in my life. 
And spirit will come, but won't come until I invite it. Because, you know, God is not going to crush our party. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. He's not a crusher. He has he, the, he or she or, you know, has to receive an invitation. And we just have to, the prayer became the opening of the door mm-hmm. and say, I invite you in. So the ego has to surrender, has to become, we have to move into our vulnerability. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. I think it's just a fascinating a topic because I think the word prayer has also gone through some evolution. Like, you know, because as you know, I teach so much loving kindness meditation where you might be silently repeating phrases like maybe happy, maybe peaceful, um, maybe free of suffering, whatever it might be. And people always would ask, like, is that like a prayer? And I remember years ago thinking, just from the tone of the voice of the questioner, it's like they don't want this to be like a prayer, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It, of course, it depends on how you use the word. For some people, prayer was associated um, with a system of belief where you were not allowed to ask any questions, or exactly, you know, or maybe with uh, almost a kind of grasping, like give me this and then give me that, or whatever. exactly. But I've sort of noticed. Um, not that I've been with anybody for two years, but before then, you know, in, in gatherings when people would ask that question, is this like a prayer? Uh, it was almost with a different tone. And I thought, oh, they're hoping it is. Oh, they are. You oh, know? That's and I thought, oh, that's different. So I want to read from your book um, how you're introducing it. You're saying in prayer, you begin moving beyond the confines of the self that is preoccupied with so many things. Whoever you think you are, you are not, because our thinking is finite. We cannot conceive with our minds the soul of who we are, which is infinite. The power in the process of prayer is that you go beyond your thoughts and your restricted mind, and you start to touch upon the reality of who you really are. It is as if the curtain is slowly being lifted, and there you are. From that place, you can ask, listen, and commune. So is this how you most often define the word prayer? It's so beautiful. Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, thank you so much. You know, when I I hear people, I I love when people read from my book and and the (laughs) prayers because I go, wow, I love this. And then people say to me, yeah, you wrote it. And I said, well, I, I did, but can I also tell you that it came through me? Yeah, I because do exactly the same thing. I think, boy, I, I knew that then. I knew. <laughs> and my sister, whenever I'm going through something, says to me, read your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, why are you upset about this? Read your book. Pray. Find a prayer you love. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. That it is, um, uh, it, it is, I say, like a kite with the strings wrapped around the spool that you're holding in your hands. You are the one that releases the string for the kite to fly. When you're Mm -hmm. flying a kite, the wind can take you in many directions. In the same way, your emotions, your thoughts, and whatever you're going through in your life can sway you from one direction to another until you steady yourself, until the kite, the wind, and you become one. Then you can fly as high as you want. So what happens, for example, and I know we talked about the practice that you've been teaching or meditation that people say, um, I meditate, and and sometimes I um, I can't meditate because uh, 
my mind is so active or so worried. And this is where I say prayer then becomes the fertilizer for everything you do. So it doesn't take away from your practice of the, um, the loving kindness or the meditation or mm-hmm. the yoga or whatever it is you do, but you're now, because of the prayer, because, and what really, again, I say, the prayer is the offering, the receptivity. Like, I am going to do this practice now, but I'm going to do it with God as my partner. Because on my own, if I go sit there, my mind might flood me with worries. My mm-hmm. emotions might flood me with upsetness or with concerns that we all have. But with the Spirit, the Spirit has the answer. The Spirit has the presence. The Spirit has the calmness. The Spirit has the soulfulness. The Spirit has the love of the heart for each one of us because it is our breath. It is who we really are. Mm-hmm. So what we are doing is I'm going beyond my what I call my agapiness, my mm-hmm. agape story, my agape self, which is alive and well, thank you, in this world. And I go beyond that a little deeper. And I, I, I bow down to the master, the inner master, the spirit. And I say, I'm about to do a podcast with, with beloved Sharon. Let the spirit that lives in me and her come together to evoke the truth, the wisdom. So as listeners listen to us, they have awakenings, they have comfort, they have relief. So that would be immediately as I come in and open my computer and about to speak with you, I'm now not just a gobby. I'm not, I'm out in my higher presence. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. And I think it's, it's so different than a conventional idea sometimes of prayer where it would be more like uh, may I be a smashing success on the podcast and adored by, you know, thousands. It's really something very much finer than that. And you see, I think that's so, thank you for saying that, because ultimately, Sharon, all we really, really want, all the soul and the spirit and what we really want in our heart of hearts is to be of service. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to say, oh, my God, my life, what I did, this piece of work, this, this song I wrote, this book I wrote, this meal I cooked, this project I did, God, it helped people. I, I, I enjoyed it with my community, with my friends. But a stranger walked in and, and heard it or, or, or tasted my meal or something happened where you touched some heart or some being and you everybody feels then that um fulfillment i mean i think that is the fulfillment and and uh, what i found is that um the greatest thing i've heard since this book was out into the world mm-hmm. is where people a people who um believed would say to me um, or write to me or say, I keep this book by my bedside and I give myself permission to pray because I now rede- I redefined prayer. That prayer was not this put on the pedestal that I have to feel good or I have to feel... Because part of the prayers in this book, Sharon, is they 
uh, name how you feel. So if you're going to say to bed um, upset or things have not all been done, and I have this beautiful prayer that I love. It's called put the be- put, uh, putting the day to rest. And we know that's such an important part of transition from your day to your night. Mm-hmm. And we all know that we put our trust into spirit because for all we know, we, we might wake up and we might not wake mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So I, I love this prayer because, for example, I would just read you the, the one paragraph that says, I allow myself to lie my body down, to take a deep, long, slow breath and exhale the day away. I did the best I could with all that was on my plate. There were no catastrophes, no earthquakes, nothing that shook the earth except what happened in my mind. So now I let my mind rest and unravel and discard what didn't go my way. I give myself permission to soften my heart and take in the good. Show me in my dreams that I'm not alone, Mm -hmm. that I'm always guided, and let me wake up with a rekindled enthusiasm to do my day, to love those that are around me, and to open my heart a little more than today. So, you know, that's the tenderness, you Mm -hmm. know, and I feel that when we go to bed, um, we are tender. We are we are naked. You know we and and that nakedness that um, and I and I, I really practice and try to turn off my devices earlier. I mean, my sister is ruthless. Don't scroll down before <laughs> bed. Don't go on your Instagram. Don't uh, uh, you know go on the news. Don't wake up in the middle of the night and keep your phone by your bedside. That is a sacred time. Mm-hmm. I do the same thing. I have, I have my phone right with me. It's a very bad habit. Very bad habit. Terrible. All of us. All of us. We are addicted to, I mean, I don't know, do you scroll down or do you go to emails or do you read articles? Oh, uh, I do articles? various things on various nights. <laughs> it's, it's all bad, you know, but... Um, but some of it is good, right? Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I'm also, as you know, I'm writing a book also and things just come to me and yes and I exactly just, I need to write them down you know but i i thank you so much for 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 saying what you said about in in your community when people say is this like a prayer yeah, yeah. because i i feel so much that prayer uh, has gotten a bad rap basically yeah, yeah. like you know like if you went to a meeting in a business meeting and you said let's pray people say oh god you know, is she one of those God people? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the people are shy about it. You know, yeah. I mean, I ask people all the time, people who meditate for years, do you pray? And say, mm-hmm. well, I meditate. And I go, it's different. It's really mm-hmm. different. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's the kindness at that moment that you open up your heart to, and to something larger than your story, than your mm-hmm. personality, than your ego. And your words will find you because I say to people, read, read my prayers that I gave you for mm-hmm. every subject, like uh, how to go through a divorce and be happy after a divorce, you know, how to take God with you in mm-hmm. a job interview. That mm-hmm. basically uh, making prayer uh, an embodiment. So it's not like, 
It's like you live it, you breathe it, it delights you. Well, I think there are two kind of historical problems with the idea of prayer, at least two, you know, but two that are coming to my mind right away. One is, as you describe prayer, there's also a kind of confidence in that, you know, it's it's not yes. like people think of prayer as like begging, you know, please God. Give me that and you didn't give me that. So that's right. screw, screw you, I don't believe in you. Yeah, I mean, you I know. think it's, it is, it's like beseeching, it's begging, like, I don't really deserve it, but would you give it to me anyway? And Exactly. It's like the big Santa Claus in the in the sky, you know, give me this and I didn't get it. And so I'm now resentful. Yeah. And the other problem, which is interesting, is that I think we've also associated, and not not for no reason, you know, but we've also come to associate prayer with like um, God and I are on the same side. We're having a little side conversation. Yes. And you're left out. You're not good enough. You know. M- meaning you, the other person, or meaning you? You, the other side, you know, of an issue or... Uh, like know, a bo- uh, the Jewish people versus the, yeah, the Christians. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it could be the Jewish people versus the Christians, or it could be um, the people in a dispute who are on the other side of the issue, or it's kind of like God and I, we're, we're buddies, you know? And Yes. My and, God versus your God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think partly is that, um, uh, alas, the religion has caused humanity more division and more wars than mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. And so religion and prayer have been so associated. So when you say to someone, Let me, let's pray together, they say, what's your religion? And you go, the same as yours. The spirit, the, the spirit in me breathes, breathes me as, as equally as the spirit in you breathes you. Mm-hmm. So then you go back to the spirit. And that's what my mother taught us, you know, like, like um, the spiritual foundation um, versus the religious foundation, mm-hmm. you know, because the religion is going to, it's it's your rituals, your culture, your denomination. And great, if if you worship that way, hallelujah, go do that. But also let me worship my way and, and, I wanted with this book to address the people who didn't believe at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember a, I have a story in the book about a woman who was at a dinner at a home and was going through a very hard time. She actually spoke about it in her podcast and she had lost her job and her boyfriend after seven years left her and her mother and she were not in good terms and her life was in rumbles and uh, shaken. And I said to her, Ariana said, go talk to her. And I went to talk to her and held her hands. And I said, Jessica, let's pray. And she said, well, who do we pray to? <laughs> Which is really kind of amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, let's pray to the 36 trillion cells that are making you and me right now. And we have no idea how they're doing that. How We don't have anything to do with it. We are just the recipient of the mm-hmm. life, the gift of life. And that's as practical as um, anything else. So I asked, obviously, when I pray for someone or someone prays for me, they bring the goodness of their heart mm-hmm. 
to you. And I say, I, I ask for the spirit in me with my love and my heart and my goodness to help Jessica restore her faith, her faith in herself, in that fact that she's not alone, that she mm -hmm. will. I didn't say get her a job, a new boyfriend and get things good with her mother. Okay. <laughs> uh -huh. so, so, you know, uh, it, it's like, I think that is fundamental to say we're praying for the qualities. We're praying, and then we are in partnership with the Creator. And then you go, your prayers then have feet mm -hmm. because then you have confidence and you now take that confidence mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you that you awaken, you birth through the prayer for the interview or for your date mm -hmm. process or for the lunch you're going to have with your mother and you have prayed for peace. So your mother might still not be the way you want her to be, but inside of you, you have been restored to your peace, to your confidence, to your ability to create mm -hmm. your life again. And that's what we want is the co-creatorship. Yeah, and for those people who don't believe in a creator, you know, like a personal God, a, you know, man or woman or whatever, there is, I think, kind of, uh, as you keep saying so beautifully, you know, something bigger than our ordinary preoccupation, our ordinary concerns. And we're so busy and we're running around and we forget and we're frightened and, you know, all these things are going on. It's very hard to just stop. That was one of the things I thought also when uh, you talked about prayer. One of the benefits is like you're just stopping for a moment and and then opening to something that is bigger than the normal things that define our day, you know. That's beautiful. And, you know, there's something that you have in your book, Real Change, that mm -hmm. I am loving so much. And you, you have a chapter that you talk about, we go, we life, we do our daily life on automatic and, and we are asleep. And, and you talk about how, how, how do you wake? And you ask the question, how do you wake? And, and, and you say, well, you know, you awake sometimes when th horrible things happen, yeah, when yeah. you get a health issue or somebody dies you love or, mm -hmm. some, or you lose your job, or, and then you wake up. But what I'm asking here is why wait? Mm -hmm. Why mm -hmm. wait? Because we can uh, embrace that in our daily, absolutely every activity life, you know, while, while you're washing the dishes, as my mother used to say, and making that uh, a prayer. And, and while you are doing your coffee, while you are contemplating, while you are um, getting dressed or taking your children to school or uh, driving on the freeway, it can all be communion, your communion with the divine, with the spirit. But uh, would, I want to ask you, why do you think uh, we forget? Why do you think we, mm. we don't embrace that, uh, that consciousness on a daily level? I mean, is it that we, don't, we lose our faith? Is it that we, um, we don't feel worthy? I mean, I think a lot of that mm -hmm. is worthiness or feeling that um, nobody's there. I mean, we often feel nobody's there, don't you think? Well, I think it's so many different reasons you know, that are, um, I, I almost think of it in, in a, almost an opposite way. It's sort of like, 
uh, you know, stru- uh, society is structured in such a way so that we're consuming and we're busy and we're productive and and relationships are constructed in such a way that we have sometimes impossible ideals, you know, and then we're just disappointed all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, all these things are are working toward delusion, toward being half asleep, toward uh, being disconnected, I think is the, the most profound way of seeing it. That's right. And, and so it takes something to reconnect. And I wanted to ask you if you felt that people, it, is prayer in a way like a skill that we can get better at? Like we say that about meditation because in the beginning of a meditation practice, uh, most of us bring a lot of habits with us. Yes. Like self-judgment, you know, and like, I'm not doing it right. And you hardly do it because all you're thinking is I'm not doing it right. Or I shouldn't have this experience. I should have that experience. Or they're better than I am. And, you know, and it's like, it takes some practice and training often yes. to let go of some of those things that kind of showed up with us. And so is it like that with prayer as well? I think, I think, let me uh, tell you a little story that comes to mind. There was a monk that was praying uh, to God in a retreat to give him uh, more ideas of what can he do to serve, because I love you, God, so much. What can I do to help uh, bring you alive in people's lives? Shall I go to Tibet or shall I uh, help plant more trees or shall I feed more poor or uh, shall we open up the monastery to have people who can come and, and stay? What can I do? And he was so anxious asking God, and he heard his inner voice and said, shut up and let me love you. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and I just love that story. I don't know where I heard it. And I feel prayer is really when we stop doing when we stop wanting to prove ourselves, when we stop feeling we're not good enough, when we feel um, I must find my purpose, I must find my niche. You know, mm-hmm. people say, I don't know what my niche is. And says, your niche, honey, is to wake up in the morning and love yourself and do the best you can. And then tomorrow you don't know what your niche is going to be. Like every day is your aliveness, your awakening, your, your loving yourself. And letting this, letting the spirit in you mm-hmm. love you. So, if anything, the practice is to let go, and the practice is to not want to do. And it doesn't matter the words; it's the intention behind mm-hmm. it, and it's the. I'm sure you have seen. Um, I mean, you know, right now we are dealing with a war in Ukraine. And when mm-hmm. you see the images of people uh, who are praying, who are praying, and every and we are all praying with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are doing prayers constantly with my friends. That we get on a call and say, "Let's pray for peace." In Ariana's company, we have uh, moments of meditation, but now we call them moments of prayer, and uh, we gather and we pray to hold the peace. And all you want is. Um, your heart to reach out to these people who are praying. I mean, this is not about finding the word or believing. I mean, I'm sure every single human being who is going through that right now is asking for God. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that we don't, that for us who are not in war here, who are, have the luxury to even talk about this in a podcast is, is to really go beyond our limited self and embrace it and find mm-hmm. our deep relationship, our beloved inside. And, and that's why it's prayer in my book starts with dear beloved, dear beloved, because we are beloved. And um, Sharon, if you ask any child, uh, any child anywhere, let's write a letter to God or let's talk to God, no child is going to say, I don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. Because as a child, you know God. And, and I think it's so beautiful. I don't know if you know these little books that say letters to God. That, oh, no. or, the, the, you know those little books? No, I don't. Oh, my God. They're out there. They're like these letters to God from children. And it's the designs, a little, you know, little paintings and, and, and what kids ask um, to God. And um, that's the innocence. And in a way, uh, when we return to our original innocence, which is beyond our sophisticated selves, uh, and to me that's the, pra- uh, the practice of loving kindness is returning to that original purity and innocence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, and, you know, it's just, uh, I keep thinking about the people who, who will not feel so close to the idea of a personal God, you know, it's more, as you said, you know, like the possibility of unconditional love or, or complete connection. Um, exactly, exactly. And it, it moves, uh, um, it, it moves through you, you know, you can't, I mean, I, I know that the moments that um, um, it, it's this partnership where, where you allow the, the greatest spirit. And sometimes when the spirit comes in, it also shakes you. Mm-hmm. Or it, it, uh, because you've got to go beyond your personality and your thoughts. And uh, you go into your nothingness, into your emptiness to let the spirit fill you. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel unbelievably vulnerable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, I, and unbelievably um, naked yeah. in front of that. So it, it's it's such a dance and it's such a... And you know, this chapter that I have in the book about finding the ordinary, the extraordinary, mm-hmm. about feeling God's pleasure, you know, which I just love to refer it back to when people say, well, I don't know where to find God. or And I go, what gives you joy? And the mm-hmm. person says, what gives me joy is, um, uh, you know, um, cooking. Or gives me joy is um, hiking or uh, skiing or uh, going up to the mountains and uh, or uh, watching the sunset. And I go, well, that's, that's your God having joy through you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, um, uh, I feel that's such an important part to feel that it's not, that the spirit in us wants to feel joy, wants to feel our joy. That it's not, we've made it all so very serious and we feel that being spiritual or being, is a serious business 
And actually, haven't you felt the most alive and the most joy when you're with people laughing? Yeah. Uh, and that, don't you feel like the presence of spirit when you are deliriously laughing about something? I mean, I watch myself and I go, oh, come on, Agape, snap out of it. You're so serious. You're ruminating in your mind. You're judging yourself. And that just takes you out of your thinking that to be a spiritual person, you have to be perfect or you have to be this idea of yourself, mm-hmm. of, of the mm-hmm. saint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, I have a passage in front of me uh, with a quotation from your book on joy. Would you want me to read it or do you want to read it? I want you to read it. Okay. okay. That'll bring you joy. (laughs) Okay. Here's the quotation. Uh, I can find his pleasure in the simplest, most ordinary things. Feeling the breeze, smelling the roses, cooking a meal, feeling the sun's warmth on my skin hearing the voices of my family in the other room, and magnify the gratitude of every ordinary moment with the spirit that lives in me and all of us, regardless of the conditions. It takes more stillness to hear the subtle whisper of the voice of the spirit that says, I am still here. I never left. Mm. I'm never going anywhere, and you can feel me and find me as you stop looking back to what was and instead, open up your heart to experience what is now. Oh, my God. I should read my book. Yeah. <laughs> we Thank also you. read our own books. <laughs> Thank you so much. That, that really moves, moves me, I have to say. Yes, exactly. Finding his pleasure. You know, when I was writing this book in Los Angeles during the pandemic and the lockdown, I was so deeply unhappy um, Mm -hmm. to not see my friends, to not speak. You know, I thrive through the speaking in front of people, hugging people. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a Greek. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. I'm an extrovert. But being Greek makes you double extrovert, Uh you know. Okay. And I missed it so, so very much. And Spirit just came in and gave me this book and gave me these words and comforted me so in a way, I felt I was writing the book for me mm-hmm. and then sharing it with others as I realized that spirit meets us in our hardest times. Yeah. You know, we don't have to wait to feel good to go to spirit for God's sake. That spirit, just when it's hurting, just when you are um, feeling rejected or you're feeling alone, talk about loneliness, obviously, uh, epidemic of loneliness right yeah, now yeah. that's when we uh but again i can't emphasize that enough we must ask we must invite it just takes a moment to say help me mm-hmm. i mean help me now uh be be there with me um mm-hmm. restore me to my strength restore me to renew my creativity how many people I mean, so many times, you know, Sharon, I don't know about you, but I when I was writing the book, I would wake up in the morning and go, oh, my God, I can't believe I've got to write another chapter. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> you know? Yes, and, I know that experience. Uh, you know, and I go, oh, I can't believe they need more words. What am I going to do? And more chapters? <laughs> I mean, I remember when I had to write Wake Up to the Joy of You and I had 52 chapters and I called my editor and I said, well, could we do 24 chapters? <laughs> <laughs> she said, Agape is a chapter for every week. 
Yeah, see, you're stuck. Look, I uh, I hate to tell you this, but I have another book after the one I'm working on now, no. which um, is more like a, a gift book with illustrations and short essays. And originally the subtitle was um, something like 108 uh, Lessons for a Beautiful Life. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was, it was 108 because – in Buddhism and Hinduism, that is like the sacred number. And one morning I woke up and I thought, wait a minute, I made that up. It could be 56, and then I'm done. Oh, <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Because that you was arbitrary. Up. You know, that wasn't like 52 weeks in the year. So. Yes. Oh my God. I love you. Made up your own rules. You know. Yeah. Though. Why, why does it have to be 108? You know, forget it. I don't have time. Does it, do you get pleasure in writing? I do. You know, I wanted to ask you about creativity because several times mm-hmm. you've referred to it and in just exactly the way I would refer to it, which is kind mm-hmm. of getting out of the way, you know, or something exactly. came through you. And uh, I wrote a book uh, many years ago called Faith. And um, I was talking to a writing coach at the time and because it was a lot of struggle in a lot of different ways. And she said to me, um, you've got to stop thinking of yourself as the person who's writing this book and think of yourself as the first person who gets to read this book. Oh God, that's beautiful. It was so beautiful and it was so, it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed to hear because. That's so beautiful. So yes, I, I think, and I have this chapter 11, hearing the whisper of your creativity because everyone longs to be creative. I mean, Mm -hmm. we are creative beings but we basically judge the hell out of ourselves. And, uh, you know, we compare ourselves. Like if I'm going to write a song, then you go, well, I can't sing like Adele, so I might mm-hmm. as well shut up. Um, or um, we compare ourselves. And I think the greatest uh, downfall to creativity is we doubt ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in terms of writing, I, I give this advice to anybody who wants to Right, and I say, you got to get your critic out the door. You got to get him on a holiday trip to the Aegean. Go send send your critic out, mm-hmm. and then start to pour it out, and then it it shows up that the pearls show up. You mm-hmm. know, you just write and write, and then um, I think uh, for me, you know, and. I, I, I love this story that I have in, in the book of when life wasn't giving me my acting jobs, I had to go and find it because I was expecting the world to give me permission to do my acting jobs. Mm-hmm. And one day, I don't even know, through uh, my seminars and retreats that I did, it just came to me that I have it. And I have an experience that I call St. Joan in the Bus. And basically, when I didn't get a part in a six-hour adaptation of Greek plays, and I was distraught and devastated, and I felt I had moved into the underworld with Persephone, I went in a bus and talked to a woman about acting, just like that, because I'm Greek, you know, and I talked to everybody. (laughs) And this woman said to me, oh, I was an actress, and we started to talk about our favorite parts, Joan of Arc, and I ended up performing the, my monologue to 
her, which is a very gutsy monologue before Joan of Arc is going to be burned on the stake. And the whole bus woke up and kind of applauded me. And I think that was a catalytic moment for me. What happened is I realized I've got it and I've got to tap into it, take it and give it to the world. And I started to create a one-woman show called mm-hmm. Conversations with the Goddesses with all my favorite monologues. So that's an amazing story about how I broke through my creativity. Mm-hmm. But um, I have this prayer about creativity and it starts by saying, I ask that I may allow my expression to flow freely. I ask that I may trust myself to bring forth whatever I hear inside without judgments, to follow my creative pulse, to withhold nothing, and to trust that I will be given the guidance to bring forth what is mine to bring forth. And that, to me, is the key. My friends, whatever needs to be said from you, written, expressed, you must give yourself permission to say it, to express it, and to say, this is my gift to me, this is my God-given gift, and I have no right to judge it. And isn't that what Martha Graham said? Mm. You know, you don't have, you, it is, you have the expression in the world that you, that there is no one like you. And so whatever you have to say, you must say it, you must do it. And when you are stuck and you go, well, I can't do this, or I, who am I to say that? Or who am I to run for office? Or who am I to go ask for a raise? And who am I to ask for that job that I love? You're you. Mm. So you go ask. And if they say no, you ask again. And if they say no, you find someone else to ask. I have a story in the book. I asked uh, when I was raising money for the Greek goddesses, my show that I did, I asked every single Greek I knew in New York City for money. (laughs) (laughs) And pretty much I had to ask. I didn't beg. Mm -hmm. I asked. I asked with charm. I asked with chutzpah. And I got the money. Mm -hmm. But the asking, too, breaks through the walls of ourselves that we are not uh, worthy to ask. We're not worthy mm-hmm. to receive. Mm-hmm. And that's back to the prayer. You, right now, you're worthy to receive if you're tired. You know, most people, including myself, we judge ourselves when we're tired. Mm-hmm. We go, why am I? I mean, I got shingles in my right eye mm. just before the book was being published. It was Ooh. like, it was so painful, Sharon. And right there and then, I was tested with all the teachings that I'm doing now with the prayer and the book, mm-hmm. I was tested to my core. Instead of going, why is this happening to me? This is not fair. I'm now speaking about God and prayer, and here I am in pain and able to, not able to do you know, my work. I had to rest. I had to back off. I had to love Agape. I had to be compassionate to myself. Mm-hmm. Our beloved friend Shelley Tarkovsky, who know mm-hmm. who introduced us to each other, was sending me prayers all the time. You know, loving mm-hmm. kindness. I see you healthy. I see you healed. I see you whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing them, sending them to me. People were praying for me. And now, two and a half months later, 
I'm much better off. I mean, mm. my eye, thank God, is 100% uh, healed. I still have some inflammation, but I am more relaxed. I am more loving to agape. I am more kind. I am not feeling so much pressure um, about my work. And I'm feeling um, more connected. Isn't that amazing? So I actually wanted to talk to you about resilience because there's a whole section of your book that looks at overcoming explores yes. topics of fear, crisis, discouragement, disappointment, failure, and worry, which are all aspects of life that are unavoidable exactly. or, or so often difficult to manage. So um, this was a, a wonderful example of that. And I wonder if there's anything else you'd like to say about yes, prayer and, and those challenges. I think that's when we feel, um, you know, I... I'm not alone. I mean, that's when we're going through a challenge, like a health challenge or a financial challenge or losing somebody we love. This is where we actually, uh, the resilience also, you know, Sharon has to do a lot about asking other people because you can ask the spirit inside, but the spirit says, well, go ask Mary, go ask Shelley, go ask mm -hmm. Sharon, because why not? And that's where the the human beings around us are also going to do um, the comforting and the prayer. So also not feeling, resilience to me is not saying, oh, I'm going to muscle up and go through this, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, resilience is really saying, I will do what I can, but I'm also going to ask and receive, and I'm going to keep asking uh, for grace, uh, trust, because so often, you know, when we have the fear and when we have the worry, again, uh, can we put it down in words and say, I have this fear, I don't know what to do, I'm paralyzed by my fear, but can we allow the, the presence, the comfort of the presence of the Spirit to come in and help that part subside, the disturbance, you know? And I've seen miracles happen, miracles happen with the light. The light is mighty. The spirit is mighty. So um, I've seen it when people have prayed for me. I've seen it when I've prayed for others. And I've, I've seen it when I've quietened myself and gone deeper uh, into the, the part of me that, that is so my soul, mm. you know, and, and calling it forward. So I think um, it's maybe not easy, but um, when we're given these challenges, I think it's such an opportunity to, to go deeper into ourselves, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... Never fails. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does fail, actually, but in terms of it, we can have plenty of trouble and not grow from it, but... Well, exactly. Yeah. The, yes, exactly. exactly. And we can be bitter. Yeah. Very I mean, that's so. the other thing, you know. Um, I think we can we can become bitter. I mean, I, I, um, a lot of times people say, well, God didn't answer my prayers. That didn't happen. And I said, well, did you ask for the highest good? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, you know, um, you ask in... You know, that, that whole phrase, thy will be done, not mine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a big one. 
Indeed. You know, a friend of mine said, well, God didn't answer my prayer. My husband died, you know, Mm -hmm. but her husband was um, in a, you know, cancer, completely uh, unable to do anything, not able to speak. I mean, suffering. Yeah. But she kept praying for him to be healed. But maybe the prayer was, let his soul find his release from this body and let me find the comfort without him. So it's like, how do we pray? We pray yeah. from, you know, uh, and the human part is is not easy. Just yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, uh, we're not alone in trying to go forward. I want to thank you so much for this conversation today. And it's been lovely uh, connecting with you and reconnecting with you. And before you go, I would love for you to lead our listeners in a guided practice of some kind to close out our conversation. Well, I was wondering if we have a little time to read um, one of my favorite poems called Coming Home, which is about um, uh, really bridging the loneliness and uh, coming home to ourselves because just to bring it back home, uh, it is the invitation from ourselves to ourselves. Um, Fabulous. Please do. somebody, Somebody said to me the other day, so basically... You're talking to yourself when you're praying, right? And I said, <laughs> well, yes, you're talking to parts of yourself. <laughs> Maybe yourself with capital S, capital E, capital yeah. L, capital F. I used to be so lonely, lonely at my house, lonely when I got back to sleep, lonely when I was alone. When I was with people, I was never lonely. But when by myself, loneliness would hit my home. And then one day I heard a voice Why don't you move in? I live alone too. You would like it here. Move in with me. I looked around and it was me talking to me. My house was empty. Wow, I said. I left that beautiful place a long time ago. Going out looking for others to fill my home. And I left my house empty. Move in. Move in with me. You would like it here. You'll never have to pay rent. I'll never evict you. You'll be my honored guest. I know you. Your likes, your dislikes, your little quintessential idiosyncrasies. I know you. I will treat you nice and kind and give you lots of space. Move in. Come, move in with me. I looked into my eyes, my heart, and saw the love for me. I surrendered. I opened the door and moved in into my empty house that I had left a long time ago. It was exactly as I left it. It had just missed me. I moved in and never left, and never felt alone anymore, for my house filled with such love and tenderness once I accepted such a kind invitation. Mm. (laughs) Beautiful. So I thank you so much for um, hosting me with such, uh, with such love and generosity. And uh, I just ask with all my heart that you continue to bless us with your amazing work. And I ask that all the listeners here that have listened or are listening to, to share this, this wisdom of the prayer as a gift of gifts that's been given to us to awaken it to inspire others. And I ask you with all my heart, pray like 
you are so grateful for your breath, for your life, and make that a daily practice. And if you want to reach me, uh, my email is agapi at unbindingtheheart.com. And you can send me your prayers. You can read my prayers out loud and uh, post them. I, there's something that I get such joy. And uh, I also have lots of guided meditations that I send out as my gift. And it's been a gift to share time with you, my dear Sharon. Really, thank you so much for coming and joining me today. And uh, for everyone listening, to learn more about Agape's many offerings, you can visit her website, wakeuptothejoyofyou.com. It's W-A-K-E-U-P-T-O-T-H-E-J-O-Y-O-F-Y-O-U. No spaces in there. wakeuptothejoyofyou.com. And uh, get yourself a copy of her new book, Speaking with Spirit, 52 Prayers to Guide, Inspire, and Uplift You, wherever books are sold. And thank you to everybody listening. This has been the Meta Hour podcast from the Be Here Now Network. May you be safe, be happy, be healthy, and live with ease. Hey folks, thanks for listening. To learn more about Sharon and her ongoing teaching schedule, as well as online courses and a free guided meditation, check out her website at SharonSalzberg.com.